Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Northern Miner podcast, Miner Moment number 19. I'm John Cumming, the editor-in-chief of the Northern Miner, and this uh, little mini-podcast here, this is taken from the public testimony on February 5th, uh, 2019, to the U.S. Senate Committee on Energy and Natural Resources. Now, this was a two-and-a-half-hour-long uh, committee uh, publicly um, broadcast, so what I've done is I've pulled out about 11 minutes, most of it being the testimony by Simon Moores. We all know him as the managing director of Benchmark Mineral Intelligence. And he is speaking to the uh, senators on the uh, lack of a U.S. presence in the supply chain for battery minerals. In the show notes, I'll post links to the full session. This is on video on the U.S. Senate website. Also, uh, there you can download uh, Simon Moore's written testimony to the Senate committee. You're going to hear quite a few voices here. You have the committee chairman. This is Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Republican. And then we have Simon Moores responding to her questions. He's got the British accent. And then we have Senator Joe Manchin III. He's from West Virginia, Democrat, coal country. Then we have Angus King Jr., a Democrat senator from Maine. Also, we have Catherine Cortez Masto. She's a Democratic senator from Nevada speaking a little bit about the mining of lithium in Nevada. And then we also have Ethan Zindler. He's uh, responding to the committee. He is a head of Americas for Bloomberg New Energy Finance. This podcast is brought to you by the Yukon Mining Alliance. Check out their website at yukonminingalliance.ca. And they have a very nice Twitter feed at at investyukon, all one word. And I'll jump right into the committee sessions here. Thank you for joining us. Mr. Morris, welcome to the committee. Great. Thank you very much, Chairman Mikowski, Ranking Member Manchin, fellow committee members. It's a pleasure to be back and for you to welcome Benchmark Mineral Intelligence. We are in the midst of a global battery arms race, which so far the U.S. is a bystander. The advent of electric vehicles and energy storage has sparked a wave of battery mega factories that are being built around the world. Since my last testimony only 14 months ago, we have gone from 17 lithium-ion battery megafactories to 70, so 17 to 70. In gigawatt-hour terms, we have gone from 289 gigawatt-hours to 1,549 gigawatt-hours. It's the equivalent of 22 million pure electric vehicles worth of battery capacity in the pipeline. The scale and speed of this growth is unprecedented, and it will have a profound impact on the raw materials that fuel these battery plants. The scale and investment will also drive the cost of lithium-ion battery production down below $100 per kilowatt hour today in, uh, in this year. This adds extra impetus to this mega trend of battery mega factories and the impact on the demand for critical battery raw materials of lithium, cobalt, nickel and graphite have been unprecedented. For example, in the next decade, the demand for lithium is set to go up nine times. This is lithium used in the battery industry. Cobalt set to go up six times. Nickel set to go up five times and graphite anode set to go up nine times. The question is, how much of this mineral-to-EV battery supply chain does the U.S. control? So the way I view the battery supply chain is in three main elements. You've got the mine, where the minerals come from. You've got the chemical and refining aspect, which is absolutely key to using those minerals or chemicals in the batteries, and then you've got the battery plants. So for stage one, how much of that mine supply does the U.S. control? For nickel, it's zero. For cobalt, it's zero. For graphite, it's zero. And for lithium, it's 1% or something. For the chemical stage, the, the, where the know-how comes in for using these minerals in batteries, the chemical stage, 
how much capacity does the US control? Nickel, it's 0%. Cobalt, it's 0%. Graphite, it's 0%. And lithium, it's 7%. Battery capacity stage, where they make the actual batteries, the consuming plants. Uh, in 2018, the US had 9%. That was mainly from the Tesla Gigafactory in Nevada. And by 2028, we're only forecasting 10%. So we're forecasting a, a relative flatline as this industry grows. Incidentally, China is on track to have 65% of battery capacity by 2028. It already has 51% of lithium chemical capacity, 80% of cobalt chemical capacity, 100% of graphite anode capacity, and a third of nickel chemical capacity. Those that control these supply chains will hold the balance of industrial power for the 21st century auto and energy industries. And the question I have for this committee is, does the US, or what role does the US want to have in this global energy storage revolution? Because it starts with these supply chains. I would like to extend my appreciation to Senator Mikowski and the committee for holding hearings like this, because they are vitally important to the industry and the supply chains. Thank you, Mr. Moores, for reminding us so clearly and directly of the importance of these significant minerals. Senator Manchin. <clears throat> this is going to be an interesting discussion because you all have a unique position in looking at the, the practical end of it, what we need to do. So I, I would just, I, I think um, Mr. Moore's on the rare earth uh, minerals, uh, the challenges that we face right now, you kept saying zero, 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 one. We're more dependent on that if we're going to reduce our footprint in the climate arena, but not having any, uh, you know, with batteries and storage and things of this sort, but not having control of our destiny. Should we be doing more in the rare earth minerals as far as strategically mining or basically processing in the U.S. so we have our own reserves? Yes, that's a good point. To get U.S. supply security for these supply chains, the answer is simply yes. The key is to value add, though, and try and build that supply chain within the U.S. So you have the resources, but then you have to add on the the two or three steps to get to a battery-grade sure. uh, chemical level. And I think that... That's the true challenge, but the U.S. does have the resources and, in the main, has the know-how. So, really, it's got to have the impetus, and right now it's coming from the industry in a stop-and-start way. They're kind of almost waiting on demand to be even bigger and even more in their face than it is now. And so there needs to be more impetus, from um, certainly from a government level, I think. Mr. Moores, uh, you're talking about, we're talking about raw materials components in your testimony. You talked about the, the uh, greater demand. Are we adequately prepared for a rapid transition to greater electrification, which is going to require more of these battery materials? Yes, quite simply. Um, are, the we, are, we are prepared for it, do you think? Uh, no, 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 sorry, you're not prepared for it. I was surprised. <laughs> uh, no, no. Uh, you have the, the, the ingredients, the raw material, the know-how, but it's just no impetus to link that all together at the moment. There's no encouragement of vertical integration in the supply chain from the mine to the lithium-ion battery plant. So, yeah. No. Do you foresee a bottleneck here as, as electrification increases that there'll, the, the minerals for the batteries will be a bottleneck? Yes. Globally, actually, not just for the U.S., but the U.S. has zero of these raw materials, almost zero of these raw materials actually being mined at the moment. Um, so... That's obviously a concern I think that we have to be thinking about is uh, not cutting off on a promising development. 
Thank you. And, and I'm not saying one's better than the other. Believe me, the lithium mining in the state of Nevada and the battery storage we're looking at, we support that as well. I'm just saying from a perspective at, as a federal level, we should be exploring all of it. We should be figuring out how we allow that innovation to occur and don't um, really uh, cede um, this country's um, priority and literally our uh, ability to take the lead around the world in this space. That to me is one of the most important things that we should be looking at as well. Thank you. Thank you, Senator. I certainly agree with that. So uh, just to, to follow on with the mineral dependency, and Mr. Moores, I really appreciate your, your testimony, your focus on that. Mr. Zindler, how you have knitted in with knit knitted that in with uh, the focus on the renewables and our efforts to reduce emissions. I, I recognize that part of our challenge is not just the fact that we're not accessing the resource here, but nowhere within this supply chain are we really engaged. And um, somebody used the terminology, you know, we're just, we're just, we're, we're absent here. And what did you say, Mr. Morris? Because it was actually, I actually wrote it down. Those that hold the supply chain will control the balance of power, but we're basically a U.S. bystander. Kind of reminds me of the view that I think some in, in this country and this administration have of the Arctic, where just kind of the U.S. is just kind of a bystander here. And we can't afford to be a bystander when we're, when we're looking really at, at the future here. So much of this goes back to investment, because if people are not interested in investing. You can have great ideas, you can have great resources, but you, we don't get anywhere. So I, I guess this is a question to, to both you, Mr. Moores, and Mr. Zindler, whether it is investment in our mineral opportunities and the multiple uh, stages within that supply chain, or whether it's the investment in the new energy technologies um, Mr. Zindler, you mentioned that worldwide investment in these new energy technologies is around $332 billion. I'm curious what the breakdown is of the global number in terms of what comes from the U.S. compared to other countries. Are we keeping up with the investment level like we see from China? So let's just talk about investments for a second here. So just uh, on those numbers, about a third of investment typically in, the, in a given year in clean energy technology or new energy technologies is usually into China. Is, is coming, is, is, is going to in, China. Into China. And about $65 billion last year was the U.S. So there's a gap, and there has been pretty consistently over the last three or four years in particular, um, with China leading just on pure dollars deployed. To be clear, a lot of that money comes out of China and in, in, goes into China. So right. de China Development Bank, state-owned enterprises, various domestic companies are plowing money into their own um, operations there. How about investment on the mineral side, Mr. Morris? Yeah, it's, it's a balance of investment and incentive to source raw materials from the U.S. Okay, right now the raw materials for batteries aren't available from the U.S., so then you have to build the resource base because it is present. But investment globally in battery raw materials is happening. It's just at present the better opportunities, the, the tier one opportunities from a resource perspective are not in the U.S. And that's primarily, some of it's down to geology, some of it's down to the fact there hasn't been much of a mining industry in the U.S. for a long, long time. And... So at present, the U.S. is almost at the back of the queue 
for the, uh, the battery supply chain. A good example of how this can work is the Tesla Gigafactory. So that's a lithium-ion battery plant that Tesla have built with Panasonic in Nevada. And that's a good example of investment. Tesla put up some money, Panasonic put up some money. There was those state-level incentives. And that battery plant can't make enough lithium-ion batteries for the vehicles that it sells. And so that's a, almost, it should be a case study for the EV supply chain within the US. And you should be replicating that time and time again in different states, and then also encouraging the supply chain from the battery up to the mine to actually build out and build every step and drag in knowledge from the chemicals industry, from the mining industry. And a key part of that is the discussion. A key part is hearings like like this um, that need to continue. And we're just at the start. The problem is uh, China and Japan and Korea, we spend a lot of time there at Benchmark and it's happening at a incredible pace the last two years, and it will just continue. It will just get more intense. Mm-hmm. It's just such a reminder to me. We have some pretty good source material in Alaska for rare earth elements, but our reality is is that we're not processing anything in this country. So we, if we were able to extract it, uh, where do we send it to China? Only to get it back here. So we're looking at a pretty pretty significant pilot in the sense of being able to to do something very different, but it's pretty small. But again, it's just a reminder that it's more than just the, having the resource itself. It's the access, it's the investment that can allow it to happen, but it's also the, the process, it's the workers that are, are trained. It is, it is, as you point out, whole supply chain.